Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. You know, if it wasn't our mothers, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> Literally, right? Huh? No, so happy Mother's Day. Today, we, it's Mother's Day, and it's always a joy to honor our mothers. And we always uh, recognize all of our ladies because, you know, I realize that not all women become mothers, and we certainly don't want to feel that you're inferior, but uh, we want to honor our ladies today, so we have a, a small gift for you as you leave today. But uh, while praying about a message for Mother's Day, I was directed to a passage in Romans, and I know as we get to that passage, you're going to be asking, well, what does that have to do with Mother's Day? Well, be patient. <clears throat> And hopefully, before the service is over, I can connect the dots. So you'll know exactly what I was talking about. See, in the book of Romans, the first 11 chapters teaches about the remnant of Israel. And it talks about salvation by grace. Tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of that's in the first 11 chapters of Romans. Now, we don't have time to cover all of that. So I'm going to pick up in chapter 11. We're going to go into look at it because it, in chapter 11, it talks about you and I have been grafted into the body. How many knows that we've been grafted into the body of Christ? We've been grafted into the body, and it talks about that we're uh, the mystery of salvation. So let's look in chapter 11, first of all, at verse 26, 1126, Romans. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. Now, it's not literally meaning everybody in Israel. It's talking about all those that avail themselves. Paul said in another scripture, he said, it's my heart's desire that all Israel be saved. Now, most of Paul's ministry uh, was uh, concentrated on the Gentiles. But he said, it's my desire that all Israel will be saved. <clears throat> and it's in this way. What's covered earlier in the book of Romans, that uh, Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. How many knows that the taking away of sins is the essence and what salvation's all about? He takes away our sins. Then he goes on to talk, uh, and he talked about being uh, grafted into the body. But if you drop down to verse 33, it talks about the riches. It says, all oh, the depth and the riches of, and wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Let me read that phrase again because it's so important. For from him... That's from God and from Christ. And through him, through Christ, and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. 
and ever. Then we have a, a transition. We begin a, a response to the grace of God. If we drop down to chapter 12, verse 3, it tells us, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. We need to understand something. Just like none of us were born by our own will, none of us were born by our choice, none of us had a choice of where we were going to be born, we understand that salvation does not begin with us, it begins with God. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so that's what he's talking about, by the grace given to us. And he says, I want you to not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, I've had some arguments over the years. I've had, I've had some fights over the years. <laughs> but I've had some arguments because of, of my belief. See, I've heard people say, that there's no greater calling than a missionary. How many thinks a missionary is a great calling? That's a great calling. I've had people say there's no greater calling than a pastor. I tell you what, I love being a pastor. I've had people tell me there's no greater calling than to do this or do that. But let me tell you what, there's no greater calling then. There's no greater calling to be the person that God wants you to be. Because it didn't come from you. And God has a design. He has a plan for you. And if we yield ourselves to God, there's no greater, there's no greater calling than to be the person God called you to be. Now, I didn't plan on saying this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it now. That there's a, a thought out there today that women that feel called to just be a mother, that that's inferior. I'm going to tell you, if that's what God has called you to do, there's no greater calling in all the world. But if God's called you to teach, if he's called you to be a, a, a medical doctor, if he's called you to be a nurse, there's no greater calling for anyone but them to be the person God wants them to be. And so let's not think of how great we are because the reality of everything, and, and Paul said it best, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul was probably the greatest missionary. We know he's the greatest missionary of his day. He may have been the greatest missionary in history. And yet he made it clear. He said, we don't need to think of ourselves greater than we are. We need to realize that we are who we are by the grace of God. So I thank God that I am who I am. I thank God that you're who you are. And don't listen to the lies of society when they tell you that you're inferior if you're being the person that God wants you to be. Now that was all free. That was all free. Eight o'clock missed that. They didn't get to have it. But the scriptures we read, I kind of think of them as a sandwich. You got a piece of bread on each side. And you have all the things it talks about, about being saved in the first 11 chapters. And then it tells us that we are what we are through the grace of God. But in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we have... A challenge. We have a challenge. 
What is the challenge? I believe it's the greatest challenge that's been given unto any of us. Let's read it, what it says. I appeal to you, therefore. Now, all of you that have been around a while know that when you see therefore, you look to see what is therefore. Because what it's saying is all of those 11 chapters were leading up to this. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. And that word there is metamorphosis. Oh, that's a wonderful story, but that's not the message today. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I think somebody needs to hear this. A lot of people have accused me of being simple, and I've accepted that role gladly. I live up to that role, but I have a simple theology. If you are in God's will today, tomorrow will take care of itself. There's people that have ulcers trying to figure out what God's will is. They're in the hospital trying to figure out, what does God want me to do? You live for God today. You present your body a living sacrifice today. And you don't have to worry about tomorrow because God will direct you. He said the steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. Now, it's fine to have plans. It's fine to develop a 10-year plan. It's good to do all those things. But don't sweat the things and say, well, what am I going to do? What's God's will? I can tell you what God's will is to be you today. To be the best you that you can. To present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, if you read that there, it talks about a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, if you've got a different translation of the Bible, there's a good possibility you've got another word there. Because the same word in some translations is this is your reasonable sacrifice. Some of them say this is your spiritual worship, your acceptable worship. And we ask the question, well, which one's correct? Reasonable? Spiritual? Acceptable? Well, actually, any one of those words can fit. Because the word in the Greek is logikin, where we get the word logic or logical. So we could even say to present your Body, a living sacrifice, is your reasonable worship. It's your spiritual worship. It's your acceptable worship. It's your logical worship. Because when we realize all that God has done for us, then we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. We change our stinking thinking. And yes, we got stinking thinking. And we change that and become more like Jesus. That is presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, which is a logical act of worship. And notice I said act of worship. Because 
We need to remind ourselves we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but realize that we respond in accordance to the measure of faith that God has given to us. Now, what makes this even more interesting, there's one other place that word is used in the New Testament. And I had to kind of think on that a bit. Because it's 2 Peter chapter 1, and let's read the first three verses. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants. Get that? Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now, did you catch that word growing? And you start out as a baby. Now, King James Version says this. As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word. Now, that word, word, is the same word in Romans. Logican. The logic. What we think. What we feed on. How we're transformed. Is the word of God. It's the logican. So, our reasonable act of worship, our acceptable act of worship, our spiritual act of worship is performed through our giving ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. And we need to understand, again, it was an act. Not just saying, but doing. Not just saying, but doing. <laughs> Some of you heard this say before, but it's still true. When somebody comes to me and begins to tell me how great a Christian they are, you know what I do? I start looking behind my back. Because they're the kind that stab you. If you're a Christian and you're living like Christ, you don't have to tell everybody about it. That's the way you act. That's the way you am. That's the way you don't have to talk about it. The spiritual act of worship. Now, I know some of you are asking, well, how does that apply to Mother's Day? Where does Mother's Day come in? How many of you are wondering that? <laughs> Thank you, Bill. You're the only honest person in the bunch. <laughs> only honest person in the bunch. I think most of us would agree that there's no greater example of a living sacrifice than a loving mother. Now, you think about that a while. We know that, now I know some of you might not have had a perfect mother. But most of us today would say, thank God for a mother that was a living sacrifice. You say, what do you mean? I mean that most mothers would give anything that they had, all that they would ever hope to be, for her kids, for her children. My mother, when my dad and her got married, was they were sharecroppers. Worked on a farm. And my dad said that my mom would outwork him any day. This was back in the days when they had 200-pound bags of fertilizer. They didn't even call it fertilizer. They called it duana. Some, any of you old enough to know that? That's a southern term. But my mother would handle those 200-pound bags of fertilizer. She raised eight kids. 
or excuse me, raised seven, more, eight kids, less than two years apart. None of them were a full two years apart. Worked herself to death, literally. Oh, she died of prostate, uh, pancreatic cancer and at 65, but she was old. She's worn out. I saw it. I saw her wash with a hand washer, ringer type for eight kids. I know that she worked at night and would come in at three o'clock in the morning and get up at five. And that was her night's rest. During this fruit season, that's what she did. Now, if that's not a living sacrifice, I don't know what is. I think that's a great example. But I know that you don't want to hear about my mother. But I begin to ask my question, who in the Bible could we see as an example of a living sacrifice? Other than Jesus, who gives us a great example of a living sacrifice? And so I have to go, didn't have to think long. I thought of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, I know I have to say this. I know it will be offensive to some, but forgive me. Mary was not sinless. Mary needed a Savior just like the rest of us. I know some of you with Catholic background, you say, well, no, she was sinless. The Catholic dogma of the Immaculate Conception is not based on Scripture. Nowhere in the Bible does it indicate that Mary was sinless. Matter of fact, the Catholic dogma, how many of you know when it came into being of Mary's Immaculate Conception? 1854. So that's a a new belief, relatively. But having said that, there's no greater example in the Bible in my opinion, of anyone that presented themselves a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, an example. It happened even before Jesus was born. It started. Luke chapter 1, verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now listen to this response from Mary. There's a lot of speculation on how old she is, anywhere from 14 to 18. But this young girl, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The angel was telling her about the birth of Jesus. And she said, I don't understand it, 
but I will be and will give a sacrifice of myself. I will be the servant that you asked me to be. My wife and I used to sing a song with this, by the Statler brothers that says there are people who are whispering and there are rumors that are running wild. There's a woman who's not married and she's gonna have a child. Don't you think it was rampant in that small community? That Mary and Joseph were gonna have a baby and they're not married yet. And yet she was willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Say, God, whatever you want me to be, I will be. God didn't need a dead sacrifice. He needed a life sacrifice. And guess what? Jesus died once and for all. We don't need a dead sacrifice. He needs a life sacrifice. And that's the reason Paul said, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, holy before God, your reasonable service, your logical service. He's done so much for you. The logical explanation is that we give ourselves back to him. Now, what's the biggest and most important aspect? We see in Luke chapter 1, verse 45. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What does that mean? That means she had faith to believe. She didn't understand it. Now, I can guarantee you there's people here in this service, there are people watching online today that say, whenever I can begin to understand it all, I'll accept it. Folks, you'll never get to where you understand it all. I read a little thing on, on Facebook yesterday, see if I can remember it. This, this woman that was an atheist, she began to uh, tell about God. And, she, and Johnny said, yeah, I believe there's a God. He said, well, Johnny, go outside and tell me what you see. I said, do you see a tree? Yeah. Do you see the sky? Yeah. Do you see God? No. And he said, well, if you don't see him, he must not be real. So they went back into class, and the teacher began to elaborate on that. And Mary stood up and said, Johnny, can you see the ceiling? Yeah. Can you see the backboard? Yeah. Can you see the teacher? Yeah. Can you see our brain? If you can't, then we have to assume there's nothing there. We need to understand that we're never going to understand all that God has for us. But he says, and blessed is she who believed. Believed. That's where it all came. Remember us speaking of the term logical or logical? And the renewing of our mind. Look in chapter 2 of verse uh, 18 and 19. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds. This was at Jesus' birth. But Mary treasured up all these things. Pondering them in her heart. Logically thinking about these things. How can it be? 
And throughout her life, she believed and trusted and presented herself a living sacrifice to God. And I want to tell you something. There were some challenges. That mother faced some challenges. Being an unwed mother, having a child born in a barn, being born into a family of poverty. How poor were they? They didn't even have a lamb that they could give. They had to give two doves. But yet you see, even though Mary was on special assignment, we sometimes forget that she had a daily life. I said, we sometimes forget she had a daily life. Just because she had Jesus didn't mean that she didn't have Joseph. And again, depending on which translation or which group you want to follow, but I believe, in the, I believe the scriptures teach she had other children. She had a family. She was a mother. She had a daily life. And I want to tell you, it was difficult circumstances. Now, I'm not going to tell you that she sinned because I don't know if she sinned or not. The Bible does say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I know she made at least one mistake. When Jesus was 12 years old, remember they, they took him to Jerusalem so they could worship? And they packed up and left one morning and Mary assumed, oh, let me read it to you. You're going to think I'm making this up. In chapter 2, verse 49, they went looking for him and couldn't find him. Can you imagine? They left their son and didn't know he was gone for a day. When they got to the, the end, let me just read it. It says, now his parents went up to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. They did this every year. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Now, I want to tell you something. If you left somebody at Walmart today and left him for a day, you'd be under abuse, neglect. Mary lost Jesus. Can you imagine losing Jesus? Huh? But supposing him to be in a group, they went a day journey. See, she made a mistake. How many of you parents and grandparents wish that when you'd pick the baby up from the hospital, they'd had an instruction book? <laughs> Didn't any of you make any mistakes? Mary had a rough life, but everything revolved around the fact that her entire life, I believe, was an example of a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Now, some of you have made mistakes with your kids. I said, some of you have made mistakes for your kids. And the devil would like to beat you up over that. I'm sure that Mary probably had some difficult times. You, you say, what, what was the timeline? See, they traveled by foot. 
And they left early one morning, and until they camped that night, they didn't find it was not there. So then they had to turn around and walk all the way back. So it was the third day before they found him. She was probably worried herself to death because she had lost Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. Anytime you make a mistake, Satan's going to beat you up over it. Notice I didn't even say sin. If you sin, he's really going to beat you up over it. But the Bible says there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So what do we do? That means that today when we get up and we present our bodies a living sacrifice, we have to forget about yesterday. Because yesterday you can't go back and get that water under the bridge. You can't go back and collect it. You've got to go on. So each and every day we present our bodies, what? A living sacrifice, holy unto God, which is our reasonable, our acceptable, our spiritual act of worship. Next 30 years after birth, Mary exemplified what living a sacrificed life looked like. An act of worship. But the reality is, and I know, again, this is going to wrinkle some feathers. I love worship. I love to stand and I love to worship God. But I want to tell you something. If I worship God for two hours and walk out and are not obedient to God, I have not really worshiped. I've not really worshipped. If I preach God's truth and walk out and do not present my body and my life a living sacrifice, what example have I set? First Corinthians chapter 12, I won't read it, but it speaks of a variety of ministries, apostles, prophets, but then there's also helps, administrations talks about the importance that all of us as a body of Christ and individually members we have something to offer we have something to give talks about our giftings but then in chapter 13 it reminds us of something if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. But I have not love. I'm a noisy gong. And a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers. And I understand all mysteries and knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains. But I have not love. I am nothing. If I give away all I have. And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So what am I saying? 
On this Mother's Day, 2022, can I encourage you to follow the example of the earthly mother of Jesus? And this was what she said. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I believe that's another way of saying, Lord, I present myself a living sacrifice, which is my logical, my reasonable, my spiritual service. And that's what God is asking and expecting of us. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for our earthly mothers that have set godly examples for us in showing what a sacrifice, a living sacrifice really is because they would do anything and everything for us. And God, we thank you for Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus, who sets a great example being a living sacrifice now Father as I consider this congregation those here in Oxford and those that are watching online I know Lord that we're at all levels of spirituality we're at all levels of our walk in Christ and so what may be my spiritual sacrifice would not be somebody else's But each day, every day, is a life of surrender to present my body a living sacrifice, which is holy, acceptable to you, which is my logical, reasonable, spiritual, acceptable service. Have your way right now, Lord. Speak to us and strengthen us and encourage us as we present our bodies a living sacrifice. If you're here today and you've not surrendered your life to Jesus, I can't think of a better day than Mother's Day than to make that decision. Maybe if you need to recommit your life to the Lord, I can't think of a better day than today. But then for those of us that are Christians, I can't think of a better day and say, Lord, let me be. Let me present my body, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to you. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.